0: hello and welcome to the comedian's paradise where we speak to fascinating and transcendent people who inspire comedians like you and me to live life on our own terms if you like this podcast share it with your friends subscribe and give us a five-star review on amazon or itunes now today we have an absolutely amazing and tantalizing guest all the way from paris and he is a he has a mesmerizing story that we all want to hear he is a man who who taught us French colloquial sayings through What the Fuck France. He's a man who travels across the world doing comedy in French and English. And you guys are going to absolutely love him. Please welcome Paul Taylor.
1: <laughs> I like it. You're bigging me up too much, but I like it. <laughs> How
0: are we doing, Paul, today? What's, what's been I'm doing happening? good.
1: I'm doing good. I, I'm, I'm a bit hungover, uh, to be honest. I had a gig uh, last night, like kind of one of the m- first proper gigs back um, since COVID, because uh, we they just lifted uh, the restrictions in Paris, well, in France, to 65% capacities of the room. It, it was only 35, and that was a bit shit, because, you know, the, if, when the room's a third full, uh, you feel like you're dying on your ass, but, you know uh it got pushed up to 65 yesterday so we 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 did a gig a, a bunch of us at a theater called the european which is ironic I, I completely forgot to do that joke uh when i perform at that theater like oh I'm, I'm an english person performing at the european great that's funny isn't it um so uh we did it there there's the this capacity is like 350 so we it, there was 200 and I can't remember. I don't know what 65% of 350 is. That's why I'm not a mathematician, but it was 200 and something. Uh, and uh, it was really good. It went really well. Um, and uh, yeah, we all kind of uh, had a bit of an after party at the, uh, at the theater afterwards. So I'm, I'm hung over. That's, that's the general feeling of today.
0: But, uh, I'm <laughs> well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a great, f- I mean, one thing about audiences, they're easier to make laugh when they're drunker.
1: <laughs> yeah well you'd be surprised how undrunk <laughs> French people are in um uh, in France when it comes to shows like no, th- 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 there's no there's not really a drinking culture in in shows in France because um because there aren't any comedy clubs it's all theaters basically so th- there's not a there's no bars in the theater usually um so yeah, it's a kind of a different culture here so you have to kind of uh, and even if they are drunk or y- you do have some you know uh, some gigs just people don't laugh that loud they because they're in theaters I think they have the 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 not the expectation but kind of the 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 they're used to not like laughing out loud because they're sitting in like these fancy red v- velvet seats or whatever and so it's the you know they're usually there to watch maybe something more serious so the the there's it, a definite definite um different vibe to comedy in France than, than there isn't than there is certainly in the UK
0: Oh no doubt I mean it's it's I mean that's probably a bit of a role that's part of the fun of it for you because I mean you speaking already before the podcast you did a lot of comedy a few gigs in the UK before you came Mm. to France yeah and were you did you feel like it was a bit like an Indiana Jones thing like going on an adventure. now I,
1: I i might be able to answer that i don't know the reference i mean i know the reference i know what indiana jones is but in what way i, I i've never but, watched the films <laughs>
0: he's, he's always going on an adventure like right hero like protecting ancient artifacts and he's fighting the baddies it's, it's not okay like what you did but i meant like it's a, right. it's a, it's a journey because you're going in a place you're gigging in a place which you don't know as well in terms of like England in terms of the humor and so you're having to adjust yeah
1: yeah it's interesting I think the good the good part about it is the great part about it is, is like if you if you speak French like you get over here and start doing some some gigs because it's they're at the really early stages of stand-up in France I'd say um, I mean it's I think technically uh, it started probably around 2006 uh, like the scene it was a really interesting kind of um, History of, of how stand-up started here is it, um, it was started by a Moroccan guy who's called Jamel and he's like the most, fam- one of the most famous comedians um, in France and he started a comedy club in, in 2006 and uh, created like this platform for ethnic minorities from the suburbs to do, to express themselves through stand-up. Uh, and for the for the longest time stand up was very um ethnic in terms of the people performing and the audiences so it's never really um gotten to the uh, point of what's the word i'm looking for of like popular the the it's not very popular in 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 france in paris now it is everyone kind of knows what stand up is and the, the media have started talking about it and more um non-ethnic minorities ethnic majority what's an ethnic what's the opposite of an ethnic minority i guess it's an ethnic majority yeah <laughs> white ethnic people. Majority. what i'm trying to say is white, <laughs> white people. people more white people <laughs> are doing comedy um and so uh obviously france being a, a majority a majoritarily white country um it, it the, the reason why stand up didn't take off to start with is because you know if you're if you're a a a, a regu- you know a regular white french family living in the in the middle of france in a small town uh you're not really into stand-up because you don't a you can't relate to the to the ethnic minorities talking about their experiences in life not only because you're not they're not you know they're, they're immigrants or whatever but because they come from like usually around paris so you know there's also that urban and rural comedy uh that changes you know i think it's probably the same thing in in the uk although having said that I don't know, like I, I don't know what the vibe is over there, but I imagine that there's certain comedians that do really well in big cities, in London and places like that, but they yeah, don't do yeah. so well when they tour in yeah. smaller cities yeah. because you know they're like, oh, you know, when you take the underground, here's a couple of jokes, and then you, uh, people, you know, who live in Barnsley uh, are like, well, we don't have an uh, underground, like we we don't we can't relate to that joke. Um, so I think it's probably a, a similar sort of vibe. In France, I think it's a little bit worse because stand up really is only happening in Paris. There's a couple of um, gigs that you can do, uh, around the country. But if you're going around the country, you, you're probably doing it with your own show. Like there's no, there aren't any comedy clubs anywhere outside of Paris. And there's only three comedy clubs in Paris, like proper comedy clubs where you, where the whole, like the, the only thing they do is stand up and it's a bar as well. Um, But there are way more gigs than three gigs in Paris, like there's a bunch of other places, like, you know, second floor of restaurants, basements of this place, um, where they do gigs, you know, once a week or twice a week or whatever. So you can you can perform multiple times every night. Um, depending on where you're at in the in the process of of doing stand up, if you're just starting out, you can probably do that as well. But they're they're not. You probably won't be in the comedy clubs because uh, there's only three of them. So yeah, it's a different vibe. That was a long answer to the question. I don't even remember what you asked. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, if I felt like Indiana Jones,
0: <laughs> it must have been like an adventure for you in being in in. in yeah, France. it was.
1: It was. Um, there. I, honestly, the, the most difficult thing was doing. Comedy in French. I started doing it here in English to start with. It was a comedy night that still exists called the New York Comedy Night, um, which is a really, really cool gig to do. Um, and then I started doing it in French. And the problem that I came across is that my French uh, is too good for an English person if that makes sense. I speak to like when I speak French, I sound French. I don't sound English. Like I don't I don't have an accent when I speak. I don't have a like an English accent when I speak French. I have a French accent. And so when I was going on stage and talking about um France as an English person, you're like, hey I'm English and you know the 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 the, the you know you French people, you're idiots because you do this, you do that, whatever. They didn't they didn't get it because they were like well you're not you're clearly not English. Like there's there's a pro- like there's a problem. Like I don't understand like they just thought i was being a dick they thought i was being a french person who just spoke a bit of good english um and so the it took it took like two years i was like bombing for like two years uh and then uh the the way i found to get to get what happened was i can't even remember how i how i did it anyway what the thing what i what i found was i started actually my set in an in an english accent Uh, So I'd get on stage and I'd be like, oh, bonjour, bonjour, je m'appelle Paul, je suis anglais, comment ça va? Um, And I would do that for like two minutes to kind of get the credibility that I was actually English. And then like after two minutes, I'd I'd break the accent um, and in French tell them like, all right, I'm going to stop speaking with this stupid accent now because I can't maintain it for, you know, it's it's whatever. And then everyone would be like, what? What just happened? Like, you know, and then that was kind of how that and then I did that. for a tv set and that was kind of when i stopped doing it because once it went on tv like i was like all right cool i guess most of the people that come to stand-up gigs know who i am now so i don't need to do the accent thing but i still you know uh, talk mostly about my experiences as an english person in france
0: okay and you mentioned it in quite a few other interviews as well that you what's it called started taking a piss out of the french and the Mm. culture before you tried to pander and like make fun of the english but then you thought that you'd make fun of them because it you feel it, they're more affect people are more affected by things that relate to them. They're not bothered by what anyone else is doing. And that's why. Yeah, I mean. a
1: little bit, a little bit. I don't know if it's more specifically French or not. I think everyone likes to, you know, hear about themselves, but yeah, when I started, I started um, trying to make fun of the English as an English person in France, I was like, you know, the French and the English have always had like a, a sort of, you know, sibling rivalry, uh, I mean, sometimes it's been more than this sibling rivalry with the different wars and stuff, but it's always been like the, you know, the, the frogs and the roast beefs, right. It's always like a, a, a thing that's been going on. And so at the beginning I was like, cool, the way that I can, I'm going to make people laugh in France is by taking the piss out of the English. So I started doing that and then it just, it wasn't working. And at some point, I think it was just one gig. I was just fed up. So I just started railing at the French uh, instead of um, instead of the English because my stuff wasn't working. So I was like, i oh, fuck you guys. What? You know? And, and then, then it's it started like that's when I started getting laughs. I was like, oh, interesting. They like they like me taking a piss out of them. That's weird. So anyway, I carried on doing that and that um and that kind of worked out.
0: And that you just carried on with that boom boom boom. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Yeah, one thing led to another, and uh, it, I ended up somehow making a career of taking a piss out of the French in France. And how do
0: you sort of how do you adjust that to? Different cities in France, or like different when you're touring, or or when you're over here um, as well.
1: Well, what's well in, in, within France? Nothing really changes. Like I've the, the, because my set's not very Parisian. Like it's more, um, it's more general. So it will like if, if this the the, the the my first show that I did, my first um, stand-up show, uh, which I toured for like three years. Um, that one uh, i can't even remember it now but th- i didn't I, I didn't feel like i needed to adjust anything to where i was in france when i performed in england i only really, only did i've only really done one gig in england for, with the full show um, and that again with most of the most of the room i did it at the comedy store actually i was lucky enough uh, the guy um, the guy who runs it i don't know if he if he runs it now still is uh, a guy called seb ward who's french he's half french because uh, his dad who started the comedy store um, is, um, I forget his, I forget his, his, first name, something,
0: Don Ward. Don,
1: that's it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So he, he met a French woman way back when and had a, had a kid. So uh, Seb Ward, his son, he's, he's half French. And so I can't remember how I ended up getting in touch with him, but he was, um, he was, uh, cool enough to let me rent out the, 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 the comedy store uh, for, for my full show. So I did like a, it was sold out in like two days. So, cause there's a bunch, there's so many, like, I think there's more French people in London than there are. It's like the fifth biggest city in France, London. Oh. Uh, if you, if you take French cities by population, there's like Paris, Lyon, Marseille, um, I think Nice, and then it's London and then it's like Bordeaux and then it like, so London's, I think it's like 350,000 French people. So most of the people at that gig were French. So I didn't really have to change my set either. The people that weren't French there were people that knew about France or were the husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends of the French people that came to the show. You know, you can imagine like a French a French expat in London who's who's dating a, 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 an English girl. Is, and he's like, hey, come come and see the show with me. And so th- those people would speak a bit of French, <clears throat> but because 90% of the rooms french anyway like i didn't notice the 10% maybe that didn't understand some of the show because the show is in both languages as well the first i'm talking about the first show here um, so yeah i didn't i didn't feel like i needed to adjust that much even when i when i gigged um, when i did a, a a tour around canada and um, like uh, china it it was for the french expats mostly so I, it was the it was pretty much the same show i've never really done proper gigs in in, in the uk though like actual you know, ten-minute slots at different comedy places, like for the English audience. I've not really, I get, I think I'm kind of like, sh- sh- like shying away from it a little bit because I know that I'm going to be shit. Um, <clears throat> because if I'm honest, the level of the level of comedy you need to be at in France to 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 make a career out of it is nowhere near the level um, that you need to be in the UK because there's less comedians, so it's kind of um, it's easier to move up through the ranks when there's 12 people in the game. Do you know what I mean? I'm exaggerating. There's more than 12 comedians, but it, it it's, you know, it's not, I remember the, the, the six or seven gigs that I did in London before I moved to France. It was rough, like trying to get like a set, a, a, an open mic where you had to bring people. You had to bring like two people with you. So, so you got to find some mates. You've got fuck all else to do than come and watch you die on your ass and luckily I had a couple of mates that did come to a couple of those gigs but they were so shit and I was shit and it was just oh god I've still got like some of the footage of the first time I was on stage um what was the name of the place um it's a pub like that a guy who's a comedian runs it uh, and I think it, he's tell, he used to tell a story that his wife bought him the pub or she allowed him to buy the ah. pub. Uh, and it's like a theatre behind the pub. And it's not in central London. It's like Southwest-ish. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I know which one it is. I think it's the Cavendish Arms, right?
1: It is the Cavendish Arms. There you go. Yes, yeah, so I've got some footage of me there and it's fucking horrific. I am so shit. Uh, I still am, but I'm just, I live in France. So uh, luckily French people are like, oh yeah, that this is good. But I'm, but- I'm putting I'm 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 putting down French like the French comedy scene. It is a good scene, but it's just a different vibe. And and, and I I just know that if I go back to doing gigs or go back to do, if I go and do proper gigs in in London, it will take me like it. I think it would take me a year to actually be anything, like to even do well at an open mic. I think, honest. If I'm if I'm honest with myself,
0: maybe you. And maybe some of that is also the climatization of it because your comedy is suited in a certain way. Mm. And- would that make that and that maybe do you think that would have an effect on what you have already if you spent so much time focusing on how to figure that out would it affect what your core audience like about your comedy because you'd have to change bits of it to fit with yeah
1: maybe but i mean i've i've always sorry i thought my microphone was falling down um i've always thought that the um i've always thought in order to to become a better comedian what i really should do is like spend a year back in london and just rinse the comedy scene there, like just do as many gigs as I possibly can, because I know that would make me a better comedian d- than I am now. Because doing gigs in France, it's like at the, when I get on stage at, at, at small gigs, like a ten-minute gig or whatever, most of the audience already know who I am, because fans of stand-up in France, people that come and watch stand-up in France, are, are fans of stand-up, and they've seen, like, they've watched, uh, you know, the, uh, all the all the kind of stuff that's on YouTube and TV and stuff like that. So they will, they will know who I am. So I've kind of got the the leg up in France where people, people know me. So they've already, they either already like me or they already don't when I get on stage, you know, when sometimes you just, somebody goes on stage and it doesn't matter what they say, you hate them or you really like them. It's like, it doesn't matter what, you know, so the people that like yeah. uh, my stuff, it, it's, it's difficult for me to, to have a gauge of whether the, 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 what I'm actually saying is funny for people who don't know me that well. Um, so that's why I, I it would be better. I don't know what I would do though if I went over to the UK. I don't know what I would say. I I've got I mean the, the the only angle I have is that I'm an English person living in France. So maybe there's like a a re, like maybe a reverse angle of like hey I've I've I'm back in the UK and I've been out of the country for 12 years. Uh like what have you done to the place?
0: <laughs> yes, and you yeah after Brexit and you would say now I'm I'm a rude bastard now. So if you guys say anything you're getting
1: yeah, exactly. I've t- I've I've become French, and uh, and I don't know what you've done with the country. It's it seems to have fallen apart since I left. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know I don't know what I would do. It's, it would be a good challenge. There we go. That that's potentially we were talking were we talking about this just before the, we uh, before the the beginning. Or I can't even remember when I was saying like I, I, I you know my dream was to make money from doing comedy, yeah. and now that that's happened, like I don't know what's next. Like I don't know what the next sort of step is. You know, I've I yeah. I did my first. I did my first show, um, bought it for three years. It was filmed. It was broadcast on TV here. Um, it's on uh, It's on YouTube now. So, uh, like, the, the, I, I guess, like, you know, obviously every comedian stream is, is probably to have a special on Netflix or something or, or Amazon or whatever the thing is. So that's probably, like, the next step. But also that could be, like, a proper next step is, like, oh, let me do some gigs in England and, um, you know, get... Because um, I feel like the UK or in any... I feel like the uk circuit is probably the hardest one around like on the planet um with the audiences but it's also the one that will make you the the best comedian more so than maybe new york's probably i i say i say new yeah. york I, i've not really i've performed an open mic i tell you what the open mics in new york are fucking rough as well because oh, the, oh, 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 the oh, only I've, I've done one and the only people in the audience are other comedians Oh, it's horrific. Oh, it was, it was just awful. But I kind of did all right because no one knew who I was. Whereas they all knew each other because they're all doing the same gigs together and they all have to be in the audience with each other. So it was, I, I had a bit of a leg up because I showed up out of nowhere for a night and they, I, I'd never performed there. So they at least I had something different that they hadn't heard before. But yeah, it was rough, man. Oh, yeah. I, well, you
0: mentioned a lot of things that are quite interesting and I've got some things to add that you'll find that you'll find entertaining. So yeah. I've got a friend of mine who's a comedian in Zimbabwe and he moved to South Africa and he says in some of the gigs he does in South Africa, you're getting gangsters and people with guns in their pocket and he says that <laughs> if you bomb on stage, like, you may die twice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good joke.
0: And What's it called? You're, you're 100% right. And the London scene and the Amer- New York scene uh la scene they're very harsh and i'd say Mm. new york and la are probably more competitive because it's in london they're a bit more polite we're a bit more polite but in Mm. new york and america they really don't give a shit and the the
1: audiences or the or the like people running comedy the people
0: running comedy right okay in the uk they're a bit politer and i feel but the thing is these open mics though they're a bit of a pain and they're not i'm not too sure if they help you because there's many people that will do open mics they'll end up there for 10 20 years you know because you're performing the same bunch of people and Mm. the whole end of the day you want to make audiences laugh and so yeah
1: yeah you're not really there to make me yeah I, i know what you mean i there's a we we kind of have that problem here in in france as um in the um well, it, it doesn't. They don't really exist. Well, there are a couple. Basically, when when I when I started in France, it was 2013, and back then there was just one gig in English. Um, then we created a second one. There was a third one that was created, and there were kind of like three main gigs uh, on different nights in, for for like the the top sort of four, five, six English speaking comedians. And then there was like an open mic that started, and then a bunch more people started. So I'd say that the scene grew to like the English scene grew to like 30 people altogether. But those, I'd say like out of the 30, 25 of them would never make it to like the three main shows. Um, And so they would all end up, as you said, like performing in front of each other. And you know, like the the times like three years down the line, I would go and, and test some stuff at one of these open mics. And I'd see the people that were, you know, that three years ago I was like, oh, you know that person. Oh, there's a good joke in there somewhere. They haven't really found their 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 personality on stage. They haven't found their voice. They, they're still working things out. And in three years later, they I felt like they were exactly at the same level. Like it wasn't like a, you know I wasn't like wow that like that's a person three years down the line. So I think you might be right that you kind of need to get the open mics are good to start with, but just to get your nerves out, like you know to to, yeah. to yeah. feel what it's like to be on stage in front of people trying to make them laugh like that. I think took me at least like 50 gigs to get over um, where I started feeling a bit more comfortable. And if you're doing that in, but then you need to get out. Yeah. You need to find a way to, to, to get out of the, um, the the open mic thing I think um, and do gigs in front of like proper audiences. Um, Cause it's difficult. I don't know. I don't know where to start nowadays. If you were to start.
0: Well, I have a friend who's in New York and what she did, she set up gigs and she sort of went round the open mic. And then there's a lot of, in London, it is quite, it's mostly just comedians, performing comedians. And then there's a few bringers, like you said there, and then there's a few other good gigs. But I think to progress in in the UK, you've got to just gig round and that's, that's the way you do it because, but there are also, as you said before, some people in the open mics are amazing and that you think, feel like they should be much higher up, but they're not um but i mean i think all of us have a unique journey to comedy there's all sorts Mm. of different stories to say and i think we we all got in it for a different thing so from from my case i got in a comedy because i'm I'm the funny one in the group i make people laugh they say oh you should do this and i said all right i'll go and do it and (laughs) then you go ahead and do it i mean you did it maybe because you same sort of reason and also because you're you to escape from apple i don't know
1: yeah it wasn't necessarily it wasn't an escape from apple it was just like a because I, I didn't need to escape like i I enjoyed the job loved the company loved the people i work with still do um and uh but it was just i just didn't it was a, it was a combination of, of multiple things people uh on my wife like people in my wife's family dying um Ooh. uh and like people it, 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 yeah, it was, I'd say, like, it all, it all kind of, I don't, I'm trying, I, because I kind of always stumble every time somebody, you know, if, every time I talk about the beginning, like, I can't I'm, can't really remember exactly why I started. I just remember, <clears throat> I remember being in my last year of uni um, in London, and a, there was a comedy night on at the, at the, the uni pub, and Paul Trowdhury was doing, was headlining, and, um, And there were two other guys who i don't know i don't remember recall who they are but they weren't very good as in as in like their sets didn't go down well like it wasn't that they weren't very good now that i'm a comedian i know that sometimes you know you just you do your the same set in a different place and it works differently it didn't work for for us and i was like that's weird they're getting paid to do this gig and they they like it's not they're not it's they're not making people laugh and i and i just like think about me and my mates and like we we laugh all the time like how difficult can it be um especially seeing paul chowdhury i was just like okay yeah he he crushed it um so i was like all right well how do we how do i start doing comedy because i mean obviously the, the 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 seed was planted before that i don't remember when i think it was just by binge watching a bunch of um dvds lee evans jack d um and stuff like that and then i, I was just like oh how do you become a comedian found that you have to go to open mic nights so i went to a bunch of open mic nights like as a as a as a audience member and then at one of the gigs it was at um uh, uh, the underground of a pub in westminster the gig and we went to go watch it with my mates and one of the guys um who was gonna go up he had set up he'd brought his laptop with him and basically like had a speaker and what he'd done is he'd filmed his set at home on a uh, on a th- on a camera And then he was going to play, he was going to stand with the computer in front of his face and do like, that would be the gig. So he brought like speakers and it was just like, he was like kind of fumbling when he went up. Like he was trying to technically, he something, I can't what happened, but he pulled out basically. And then my, one of my best mates was like, why don't you ask the MC if you can do five minutes? I was like, I I don't, I don't have, like, I don't, like, I don't really know. I'd already thought about what I would talk about, but I'd never practiced that. I'd never really done it. He's like, no, no, go, go, go. So he actually went up and asked the MC and I I got on for five minutes and it was fucking horrific. But it was all right. It wasn't too horrific. I was like, I never want to do this again. So that's kind of when it started that. And I did like eight or nine gigs after that um, in London before I moved to France. And you just went on with that and you just... Yeah, well, kind of. I, I moved to France in 2009. So that same year, um, and then I, the next comedy gig I did was 2013. So it was like four years later. I, I my, my job at Apple just kind of took over and I, I wasn't really thinking about comedy. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was during my time at Apple like Steve Jobs had passed away. My uh, wife's dad passed away like a couple of days after that. Ooh. And I think it was just like when, when people that you know or people that are around you, uh, die you start putting life a bit more into perspective you're like oh okay so this isn't we're not you know you, you know that you're not around forever but when people die you're like okay like this is a thing you know and then so i think i just i i don't know i just started it started ruminating in my in my head just like wh- what do i want to do i just didn't want to i came to the conclusion that i didn't want to get to like 65 years old be retired from apple and be like ah oh, i wish i'd have tried doing stand-up i wonder what would have happened so I didn't want to, I didn't want to have that regret later on, so that's why I was just kind of like, all right, let me start doing stand up again So then I started doing a couple of gigs. They started going well in English over here um, did some of the French ones they weren't going so well, but two and a half years after that, um, I was like, okay, I feel like there's something happening I feel like there's a there's a, there's a thing mm-hmm. so inside and that's when I quit uh, my job at Apple uh, to do it full time basically.
0: And how did it sort of get into your well known? series what the fuck
1: France? how did it how did that happen um so the so when i I quit my job in may 2015 then i i did edinburgh that same year but not not a full like not my one hour show i was part of um i was part of like a, a collective of comedians based in paris who went over to edinburgh i was there for the whole month um and uh the other french comedians some of them came for a couple of days, some of them came for a week, but I was kind of like the host of the show uh, for that month and it was shit, but it was a really good learning experience because it was just, we were, her- we were horrific, all of us, um, as, uh, as we were all starting out. So then after that, um, I, uh, I was working on the stuff that I'd been working on for like two and a half years up to that point, And I was just building my hour. And I, uh, in, uh, in December, In December 2015, one of my mates uh, who runs one of the gigs in in Paris in English wanted to do, like, a video to promote the gig to get some more audience in. And he'd suggested, um, uh, like, filming one of my bits on stage, which was around... uh the the french and how they say hello when they kiss each other on the face and sometimes it's two sometimes it's three sometimes it's you know six whatever whatever the thing is like a house party's like i had a whole like five six minute bit around that um and he was like oh we should film that and i had the idea of not filming it on stage but filming it like as a as a tracking shot like as a one-shot thing like walking through a bar um and me basically doing the stand-up bit, but to the camera rather than to an audience uh, and filming it that way. Uh, and that video, we released it on the 1st of January 2016. And um, in a week, it got a million views on YouTube. And the week after that, I got a I got a, a message on Facebook from a headhunter, uh, a TV uh, company called Canal Plus. So Canal Plus in France is basically the equivalent of Sky uh, in the UK. So I was, be- I was getting contacted by Sky because it's a, when I say the equivalent, it's a paid, uh, it's a paid TV thing. Like you, it's not one of the, it's, I think it's like channel four on a TV, but in order to, in order to see it you have to pay you have to pay for it um and they do all the sports they do all the films it's exactly the same as sky um and so they they they, they sent me a message being like hey we saw your video we like your work we like your vibe like come in for a meeting and i was like yeah all right cool that, that sounds amazing this is like this is like six months after i quit my job right um and so i went in and uh, they're like yeah we like your vibe we like the fact that you're english and you live in france and you speak really good french but you don't understand the country like like basically what do you want to do? Like there's you can uh, you can do a bunch of like different things for you. And I was like, oh, I don't really know. Cause I hadn't I had no plans. My plan was let do let me do stand-up, right? Uh by this stage I'd also started doing my full hour show in like a small place of like 50 seats. Um and the show was free and then at the end there was a hat or um uh I don't know if you call it a hat in English, um, like at the end of the show when people, you know, if you have a free show, they put speak. money. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I was doing that, and then um, I got together with a, one of the producers of, um, so Canal Plus had a YouTube channel, it wasn't called Canal Plus, it was called Studio Bagel, uh, I think it still exists, it's like, a, it, was, it was more like, a, it was like a funny or die kind of uh, YouTube uh, sketch group with a bunch of French YouTubers that would make funny videos, and it was they, they, it was owned by Canal Plus. So I got in touch with one of the producers there, or they put me in touch with him. and we started working out on this concept. And like, you know, what, what what do you what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I don't even know how it came about, but anyway, the show that was where What the Fuck France came out of. Like, it was they wanted to do videos in the same style as that original YouTube video about uh, uh, Labies, which is what the kissing thing is called in France. And so we wanted to make it similar to that. It's kind of like a tracking shot. Um, and we were working with a, I was working with a director who was helping me with the, the, the filming of it. So basically between the three of us, me, this producer and the director, um, we kind of uh, put together uh, this show. And also my mate who, um, who, who had the idea of doing the first video of filming that to put on, on, on YouTube to promote his comedy show. Uh, I just turned into something different. So yeah, we, we had, uh, they gave us 10 episodes of this thing called What the Fuck France. It was three minutes and it was me basically being like, hi, I'm English, uh, I live in France, and here's something that I don't get about France, you fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> something along those lines. So we did, uh, we, they gave us 10 episodes. Uh, and after episode five, it was, it was we were lucky in the sense that it was for TV, but they were putting it on YouTube like the week after. Um, and after the second one went up on YouTube, that's, it was like news articles written about it. Uh, like, Oh, an English guy making fun of French terraces or patios, you know, where like the, where everyone's drinking coffee on the, on the outside and stuff. Um, and it popped and it, it went really well. We were getting like hundreds and thousands of views per episode by episode, like four and five. And then they, um, they kind of, they, um, They gave us, like, the whole season instead of just the 10 episodes, which would have taken us from September uh, to December. For, like, this, the French TV season is, like, September to December, then they have two weeks off for Christmas, and then it starts again in, like, January to the end of June. Um, And then during those two weeks, it's just repeats and, and whatever else. So the, the initial, that first season was the 10 episodes, the first half of the season. And then they extended us to June of that year. So we ended up doing 34 episodes of what the fuck France. And then they wanted to do a season two. And I said, no, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to run the concept dry. Like at at some point after 34 episodes, I, I I didn't, I could have done maybe five to 10 more, but I, I didn't have another 34 in it. like at some point what am I going to talk about like hey france what's what's the deal with your carpets your carpets are shit for 3 reasons like, like I mean it's just you know oh your candlesticks are shit do you know what I mean like I, I kind of covered the main thing like the reason wine is shit the reason cheese is shit the reason you know french politics is shit the reason christmas is shit you know, whatever the, the stuff was so um so yeah it was good that was and and that was really the thing that 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 kind of got the ball rolling and got like my name out there as a, as a comedian all the while. So we did that for a year. Um, and all the while I was touring my first stand stand-up show um, in bigger and bigger theaters. It was like, it was, the, the, the dates were selling out like a months in advance because of the viewership of what the fuck France. And it just sort of bled into the stand-up show, which was great. And then, um, and then when we finished what the fuck France, I then I, I ended up, I was still working with Canal Plus, but I did a, um, a documentary series called stereo trip where the, um, the ideas that I would go to, to to different countries and see if their stereotypes that we had about them were true or false. And I, it was kind of like a docu fiction comedy sort of thing. It was, it would be similar to, um, well, not similar at all, but I, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the equivalent. There was a, there was a, there was a show. I, don't, I can't remember what it was. It's a little bit like Jack, Jack Whitehall and his dad going traveling, but not really like, it's nothing oh, okay. at all similar, but it was a documentary series anyway, but that wasn't, um, it wasn't on YouTube, there's clips of it on YouTube, but there wasn't as much viewership for that, because it was behind the, the paid firewall of, 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 uh, of Canal Plus. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where that all started. That was a long answer. So you were like, so you did the
0: What the Fuck France, then you went to, um, what's it called? Louis Theroux travel thing, but with a bit of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then like... And then, because people got your name out there, you were still doing sort of stand-up stuff. And they're like, "Oh, I yeah. saw Paul in this. Oh, he's said magnifique, and I follow him."
1: <laughs> is that is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. You go, You're fine. Come over. Do some gigs over here.
0: <laughs> but and and that's and that's how it sort sort of got going. And then you like and now you're just going on and there. And now you have sort of set up and you built the French and English Franglish show. Yeah, and now that that's quite an interesting thing because I mentioned before about switching between languages. Mm-hmm. So how do how do you? Well, I speak to a lot of people and I ask them why don't they do comedy in another language, and they say they they just said they couldn't just translate it because mm-hmm. the way languages work, it's not simple as that. And is it the same with you? Like you have to write half a set in French, thinking in French, and then half the set thinking in English, fish and chips. Uh, you know half of it's like fog legs the half of it's the
1: i don't know <laughs> yeah no it's it that is definitely true though you can't it's really difficult to translate it depends on the jokes right i think so, like um uh, a gig uh if you were to take someone like eddie Izzard and translate that show um that could work because it's so absurd um or it, absurd isn't the word what i'm looking for Surreal. What kind of comp? Surreal, yeah, it's so surreal that it, it, it would work. If you were to do, like, the Death Star Cantina in French, it would probably work. <laughs> but if you were doing, if you were to translate, if you were to translate Kevin Bridges into French, it would never work because it's so culturally specific. Um, I don't even think it would necessarily work that well in the US and that's an English-speaking country, do you know what I mean? Uh, I think that's also why... Because a lot of people ask me in France, why do English comedians, why does no one know any English comedians? Like, why are they all Americans? And I'm like, I think because the comedy in England is so very culturally specific to England and the UK, that we, our comedy doesn't travel very well. The only one that really has traveled is Ricky Gervais, right? He's the only one who's who's really managed to make a name for himself outside of the UK. Um, and I know that, uh, that people that go on tours and stuff like that, uh, uh, you know, even the bigger comedians, but it, it's, it really surprises people even Americans that we sell out bigger rooms in the UK than Americans do. Um, but we're unknown. Like, I, I I, mean, we, I'm talking like comedians in general. If you take someone like Michael McIntyre who does nine gigs or 10 gigs at the O2 back to back, like no one in America has done Madison square garden 10 times. They've done it maybe three, four times, oh. but he's, he's doing the O2. Then he's doing like, 10 Wembley gigs back to back, then he's going to the, the like 10,000 seat arenas all around the country. And a lot of, well, not a lot of comedians, but uh, uh, you know, the, 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 top tier comedians in the UK are doing that. No, one's doing that in the U S apart from like, you know, Chris Rock, Joe Rogan, like t- each, you know, and, but they, but the thing is Chris Rock and Joe Rogan are known by us. Right. We know these comedians, but if you, if you go to the U S nobody's heard of Michael McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Uh, so what were we talking about? Culturally specific comedy. Yeah. So I think in the UK, we're, we're really good at speaking to our own sort of culture and country. When I do my gig, it's kind of, um, I'm not necessarily part of the reason why I did a gig that was 50, 50 was, um, I didn't necessarily have an hour all in English or I didn't have an hour all in French. I had bits in French. I had bits in English. And bits that could only work in both languages at the same time. If I'm doing like a, there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of bits from my first show, um, where you need to speak both languages. You need to you need to understand both languages to get the joke. Um, so that was kind of it. It was it, it was all very natural in the sense of like the stuff that came out in English. You know, there's a, there's a bit that I would do in English where I'm taking a piss out of my wife speaking English because her level of English is great, but she's got a very French accent, so I'm taking a piss out of her. So I have to do that in English. I can't take the piss out of her speaking English and French. I yeah. can't be in, it's, it would be like me saying, oh yeah, you don't speak good French, do you? But I can't not speak French if I'm talking about someone's level of French. Do you know what I mean? So it's the same, yeah. it's the same sort of thing. So there were certain, certain bits I had to do in English, certain bits I had to do in French. Sometimes I can do them both, um, depending on... Sometimes I would adjust the show in, like if I, I went to a small town in France and I realized very quickly that no one spoke very good English or they didn't even, not even speaking, understanding it. So I started doing my bit in English and, I, and I, it was just, it, it was dying on its ass. Whereas the French bits were doing all right. So I was like, oh shit, I need to on the fly kind of translate some of the bits back into French. Um, but yeah, sometimes they didn't work because there's a specific punchline in there that you needed to have in one or the other language. Okay, so that's
0: how did you sort of because one of the things i saw in one of the kevin hart podcast interviews when he's building a show first mm-hmm. of all he tests it out in he doesn't really do it in mics but he does it in the comedy store with these big clubs he tests it out there and then he goes to theaters to test it out yeah but and then once it goes well there then he starts doing the tour and he takes it around the country mm-hmm. was that a similar sort of process to you when you're doing both languages like you do the Open mics, English speaking nights. You test it out, then you go to the bigger nights, test it out. Goes well, goes and taught. And it's the same with the French French open mics. Boom, boom, boom. Um, And then, how did you mould it together?
1: Well, the trying to think. Well, yeah, the 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 first show I did was built. I mean, it took three years to make it to to actually build that Ah. hour. because it, you know it, your first hour always takes you a while like it's your it's your first hour so it's just the culmination of all the best jokes that you've written in the past 3 years you know when you do a second show it's slightly different so my the process for my two shows were wildly different my first one um it's st- the first gig I ever did in France that was part of, like some of the jokes in there made it into that final show but yeah it would it it started off um as i said earlier on in english I started doing comedy in English because I'm more comfortable speaking English than I am in French on stage. And I, I can't really, I'm not very good at improvising in French. It's just too, my brain doesn't work quick enough to be able to to, 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 to improvise or, or come up with jokes on the fly in French. So the French, so I have to, I have to prepare a bit more. Um, but yeah, I would do that in English. And then at the time, there weren't really anything more than open mic type gigs in either language. So it was just a case of doing those and, and, and when it was working well, doing well. And then, you know, I, 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 the way I kind of built the first show is I, I took a bunch of post-it notes, stuck them on my wall with the names of like the bits that I had, you know, like, oh, uh, my wife speaking French. Oh, this thing, blah, blah, blah. Put them on a, on a, on a thing. Uh, I think I timed myself just to see how, how long I had. I started by doing half an hour as well. That's that's not true. I did It didn't go straight to an hour. I was doing like 10 minute, 15 minute gigs. And then I did a, a 50-50 show with another English mate of mine where we would do half an hour each. So I was doing half an hour at that stage and then it went from half an hour to one hour. Uh, And I think, yeah, the first time I did it, I just put all these post-it notes up and then tried to find a, a through line and uh, transitions that I could do between bits. I was like, oh, if I start with that, then that can lead me into that. That's a good transition into that bit, this, that, and the other. And I just ordered it and I probably changed the order. I don't know, eight or nine times throughout those three years of, 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 of touring it. Um, And then, uh, and then when I filmed it, it was like the ninth version of that show, basically, uh, when we filmed it. And then for the second show, it was completely different in the sense that I'd finished the first show in January, 2019. My final uh, gigs were at a, at a, like a 1,400 seater here, uh, in Paris. So I did three final gigs. Um, they weren't the ones that were filmed. I filmed it before the final gigs, uh, which was a mistake, but, I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, uh, did the final gigs and then uh, January 2019. And then uh, I had a baby in June of 2019. I think, you know, when my wife uh, fell pregnant in October of 2018, I don't know, there was something like some sort of thing went on in my brain being like, shit, I'm going to finish my show. We're not going to have any money coming in. I need to probably get on with doing a second show as quickly as possible. And you're not really getting money for doing 10 minute slots. Like you, you you might get, if you're lucky, you might get a hundred, if, if on a really good night, you get maybe a hundred euros in the hat. Um, uh, because you know, at the end of the show, there's like 70 people in the room, and you're like, "Hey, give us some money," because you know that's how we make our money, blah blah. And so we might walk away with 100 max max. Usually it's around 20 or 30, so it's not really a decent amount of money for the for the smaller gigs. So in uh, in August of 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 2019 is when I start. I I, I rented out um, uh, a theater that was about 100 seats. And I did it four nights a week for a month. It was basically an Edinburgh thing that I did. Um, I, uh, so four nights a week. So I did 20 shows and they were work in progress shows where I didn't really have um, an idea of what I was doing. I had a bunch of topics and a bunch of things to talk about. And I just uh, in those 20 shows built up basically the second show that I'm still currently doing because it got interrupted, the tour got interrupted by COVID. Um, so, yeah, the process was very different between both shows.
0: And did you is is the should I I think go on should I should I not pry too much in the second show because you don't want to reveal too much yet?
1: Oh no, you can do. I mean, it's not there's not really much to reveal. I mean, it, it, it the the jokes are there. No one's the, the cool thing with the second show for now is that none of the jokes are out there yet. But yeah, if you want to if you want to if you want to ask about the second show, go ahead. So, how sort of.
0: So you said in the first show it's very much sort of 50-50 is mm. this show also 50-50
1: or is it slightly more French than English It's it's more French than English I'd say it's I mean I say right now the last time I performed it it was probably it was probably 75 percent French uh 25 English um and the reason Why did I even do that? I think it was because I didn't know what to do for the second show. And I kind of asked my social media. I I did like a poll on Instagram, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. I was just like, hey, like for my second show, should I do it all in French? Should I do it all in English? Should I do it? Should I do two separate shows? Or should I do like another show that's in both languages? And like 95% of people are like, yeah, do the the both languages thing. It's fun. Um, But then obviously that's my audience. So of course they're going to say that. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what they're used to. So, um, but again, some of the stuff... Uh, that, that I'm talking about in my second show, if the first show was a, a, a kind of around language and and, and and my issues with the French language and other things like that, the second show is kind of more identity-based, like who, like what defines where you're from? Do I feel more French? Do I feel more English? Why? Um, and it's this more, I wanted to, uh, to, to, to kind of improve my storytelling skills rather than just kind of thinking about jokes uh, and making a story around that. Because the, the first show was uh, mostly stories kind of like fake stories built around, built around a punchline or built around a, um, um, a, you know, a a situation would happen in life. And I was like, oh, that's a funny thing. And then I would try, not a situation, but like my wife would say something stupid. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let me build a story around that to make it, to make that the kind of punchline for the second show. um, One, because I thought it would be easier to to just tell actual fun stories that had happened over the past few years. I thought it was easier to build a show than trying to sit down and actually write jokes. I just thought, well, I, if I can get better at storytelling, there's some fun stuff that happens to me in France as an English person who's kind of in the public eye. Um, and so I the second show is a lot of storytelling about um, uh, about who, who I am and why I feel more English than French, or do I feel a bit more French than English, and also about being a new dad as well. Hmm.
0: And you mention so two things i wanna ask about that which are you, <laughs> are which, you english? Yeah, it's a good, yeah i feel definitely
1: i definitely feel more english than than French um there's times when i when i when i when I get frustrated by stuff in England uh, or the English ways of doing things, but I still definitely uh, consider myself more English than French, even though I've spent more time living in France than I have in England
0: oh okay
1: yeah but
0: i mean. <clears throat> there's a lot of i mean one thing that is i mean you've got a unique angle and it's i mean it must give you lots of stories in itself and like you must have a lot of interesting things happening now with like a baby as well in the gig
1: yeah well and that's that's i guess that's also naturally why the second show's more storytelling like a a a a quick story it's a story i tell at the end of the show but it's 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 typical of what happens to me in France. I, I end up, I don't know a lot. I, I, there's a lot of, like, cult, culturally, cultural references that I don't get in France. Because I, I moved here in 2009. So anything that happened before 2009, I don't really know what's going on. But there's people, I I, I end up meeting famous people because of the 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 gigs that I do or because of the the, the opportunities I have. And I don't know that they're famous. I don't know who they are. Like, I don't know that they're famous. Ah. So I end up having weird interactions. And one of them was um, backstage, at a, a show, uh, I got invited to do, they have, um, every year they do these rugby awards. So on TV, so they have a, like an award ceremony, like the Oscars, but for rugby. Um, and they, they wanted me to do like a five minute set on in the ceremony. So I did that, but in it, like in the backstage area, uh, in a dressing room, like it was like a collective dressing room where everyone was, had their shit there. And there was a couple of people in and out. I ended up meeting, Um, the ex-France president, the one before the current one called Francois Hollande, that's the name of the president, and I met his wife um, in the backstage area as I was unpacking my suitcase because the same night I was traveling to China for uh, to do my to do my uh, to do my tour so I had a suitcase with me and I was changing out of my stage outfit to like a plane a 14 hour plane ride outfit with just like uh, uh, trousers and stuff um jogging trout what do you call them uh tracksuit bottoms whatever so anyway I'm opening my suitcase and I've got all my like underwear just out in the thing and and this girl who I think who I thought was somebody from the production team you know w- was just chatting to me like completely normally about how i organize my underwear in my in my suitcase like it because it was all super rolled really really tight like military style <laughs> rolled and she was she was impressed by the way i'd rolled my underwear basically i had no idea this was who this was the the her name Julie gayer um and i had no idea it was this woman until Like 20 minutes later, I'm I'm like backstage, not in a dressing room, but like in a place where there's a massive TV showing what's going on on stage in real time. So that the people backstage can watch the show as well. This is all live on TV as well. Um, And I see that same woman getting on stage and I go, Jesus Christ. So she's somebody, she's not a production. So I've just been talking to somebody famous in France about my underwear. Uh, And then her name pops up on the screen underneath and it says Julie Gaillet. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) Oh, no, I recognized the name. I didn't recognize the face, but I recognized the name. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I've just been talking to the ex-president's wife about how I roll my underwear in my suitcase. And it was like, it was just mortifying. It was just, a, and that would never happen to a French person because straight away, they'd know who she is they'd see her and they'd be like oh it's oh oh h- hello you know and they'd be it's like meeting I don't know Cherie Blair uh and talking uh not it's like a French person not knowing who Cherie Blair is and ending up talking to Cherie Blair about how uh how, how they roll their underwear so that's a story that's in my show because it's <laughs> it's it's just an interesting uh a, a stupid funny thing that happened to me and, and that would only happen to me you know <laughs> that is
0: a brilliant story <laughs>
1: and do, do you
0: have any uh, one of the things with comedy is you always get these what the fuck moments and do you have any what the fuck moments that are, that are similar to that
1: uh, like uh, while doing gigs
0: yeah <laughs> Um. What
1: else oh, I t- uh, yeah I'll tell you um, uh, I think it was uh that was uh that was straight i did it. so that was a rugby awards thing that i was doing but i also got invited to do a uh, a football awards same thing like I, uh, no i wasn't doing a stand up gig i was actually giving out the award for the best french player abroad uh and the person that won it was uh, N'Golo kante anyway Oh. Uh, I died on my ass I, I was trying I was trying to be funny they like half the room didn't even speak French because they're footballers you know they they're international footballers anyway I'm sitting I think it was either before I think it was after I went up I'm sitting at my table where you know it, 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 where I was sat and on the table next to me was Neymar um, and uh, I looked at my phone and I could I I was I took because I took a picture of him um, just like kind of sneakily uh, to send to my brother because my brother plays football right so i was just going to be like hey look who i'm hanging out like look look who i'm hanging out with right to be cool so i click on the photo um and then i click share to send it to my brother and i realized that in my airdrop options neymar's phone comes up like as a as an option to send like a thing to you know i, I, I don't know if you've got an iphone but um the, when you send stuff to, to people through airdrop or everyone else's phones who's publicly available comes up on your list of people and obviously the room's full of like 200 people so a bunch of phones came up but Neymar's phone was there I was like that's fucked up like I could just send whatever I, like any file any random thing to Neymar's phone right now that's crazy so that was that was just like a moment like, like for me that was like a what the fuck moment of like oh I, I I'm in Neymar's and I took a screenshot of it as well I can't remember where where I saved it, but there's a screenshot on my phone somewhere of uh, <laughs> of a photo of the back of Neymar's head, when me tro- about to send it to my brother with Neymar's AirDrop uh, available to send it. I don't know how he has his AirDrop open publicly for everyone to uh, <laughs> to potentially send stuff to him.
0: Okay, so anyone anyone who's a super fan of Neymar, just remember, make sure you get your iPhone near him, and you can have a chat with him.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Just send yeah. Just send him a nice dick pic or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh,
0: so did you get his autograph?
1: <laughs> no. No, he's the only one that I really knew that in the, uh, the, the the original. The original. I was gonna say the original Ronaldo was in the room. Not 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 the the Ronaldo that's currently playing, but the the, the Brazilian one. Um, he was in the room as well as like a, he was getting a special award for something. Maybe I can't remember what it was. Um, but apart from those two, I didn't recognize anyone else because they're all French players from the French league, and I don't I don't really follow football that much. So no,
0: but it's it's man that must have been incredible. And oof, I reckon your brother, yeah, must... the,
1: yeah, my brother thought it was funny. I mean, I died on my ass that night, so I wasn't. It wasn't like I didn't. It wasn't a night that I that I enjoyed, but. It, that bit I enjoyed about it,
0: but they also make the best material.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a, it's another story, you know, to to tell potentially as a, for a comedy show or whatever. So yeah, it's uh, that's the thing when you go through like difficult experiences, the 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 thing that you can take out of it is oh, I've got a five extra minutes. That's uh, <laughs> the way to look at it, and
0: you know what's. What's your go-to guide for performing at big events like that? And what's your go-to guide for the differences, you know, as a result of what the fuck France, what's your go-to guide for an Englishman, knowing the difference between English culture and French culture? What do they need to prepare for?
1: (laughs) Uh, English people in general or comedians?
0: Um, Just, just, you know, if, if I'm... If I'm a builder I like to go for a bit of fish and chips and I'm like oh, all yeah. right there and if I'm going to France <laughs>
1: uh, what do you need to know you probably uh, uh, what's the see this is the stuff that I should probably uh, that I should probably think about if I'm ever going to do comedy in England I don't know I mean the cultures are similar but there's not it's more again it's like if you if you go from London to Paris yeah, there'll be like stuff. I mean, it's a bunch of differences, but it's still you're still living in a big city at the end of the day, so it's not really that much different. But yeah, people people like being outdoors more. Like there's cafes and stuff like that. Uh, the, the cafe culture is huge in terms of like being able to sit outside. You know, we have I mean, we've got beer gardens in England, but not a huge amount. Like it's a lot of pubs are indoors and it's dark and it's dingy. Uh, and uh, the French like kind of living outdoors and on terraces and things. So that's kind of a a, a, a really cool part of the culture that I enjoy. Uh, they don't drink a lot though that's a there you, you, you will get you i i i would say yeah you get you get labeled not labeled as an alcoholic but they're like oh okay you you english people you drink a lot and to be honest we do but i i'm always um i always find it funny how how weird they think it is if you have a pint at two in the afternoon you know they're like oh oh it's not it's not it's not really beer o'clock yet and we're like because like it, it for them it's like 5 p.m if it's not 5 p.m they don't really have alcohol. They have wine, like at lunch, right? Um, a lot, but beer, beer. It feels like no one's really drinking beer until it's about five or six, maybe six. It's beer is like an evening thing here. No one's really. I mean, I say no one. People obviously do, but you can definitely tell the English people from a mile out. You see them at a bar. They got a pint, and it's two p.m. You're like, they're clearly not French.
0: <laughs> so effectively, but it's, 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 you're still drinking alcohol. It's just like someone wearing a suit and someone just wearing PJs or something. Not PJs. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I I liken it like the, the you know, if you've got a Canary Wharf at lunch, um, all the businessmen with their suits and ties are all drinking pints at lunchtime, right? Um, here, they're all drinking wine. If anyone's got a pint, like, even pints, not that many people... Pints are, are more unusual here than, than smaller beers. Like most most of the time when you order a beer, they'll give it to you in a half pint glass. Um, you have to actually ask for a pint. You know, if you go, I'll have a Cronenberg or whatever. In England, by default, it's a pint. You have to ask for a half pint if you want a half pint in the UK. Whereas here, you have to ask for a pint. Otherwise, they'll give you a half pint the standard.
0: Ah. Oh, that's that's the scene in the um, 1997 movie with Quentin Quarantino. The Pulp Fiction, where they made a joke about the burger, the Royale with mm. cheese, because of the metric system.
1: Yes, that is true. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the joke. But it was something to do with the quarter pounder, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like, yes. what's the quarter pounder call? Uh, I actually cheese. don't know if they still do that burger, but yeah, it's something to do because I just had a McDonald's for lunch because I'm hungover. Um, <laughs> but I just had a Big Mac. Uh, uh, I was going to check the French uh, McDonald's website to see if they still have a, a royal a royal with, um, a quarter pounder it's with recovery. cheese.
0: Burger King, it was a Burger King.
1: No, I think it's McDonald's, but I don't know. Oh. Where. Whatever. Yeah, they, they 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 they're a different thing. Well, they, it's funny because they call they call it a, they just call it a cheese here and cheese and cheese and cheeseburger. Cheese, no, cheeseburger. But they'll say a un double cheese for a double cheeseburger. <laughs> they just get rid of the word burger. They're just like a double cheese.
0: And so speaking of like French food and English foods, like Gordon mm. Ramsay said that when he went to study food in here, there was a guy that said to him that the shit running down his mother's leg was the best thing that ever happened
1: to him. And how does, how? The, the what? So I didn't, I, I didn't get that. Hold on. So Gordon Ramsay when he was studying cooking here. Yeah. He, well, he,
0: he had two heroes. His mark Pierre white and he had two big French chefs. Which he'd right. from. And one of them was, I think, Gavroche. And he said, okay, to guy, he used to throw, throw ducks across the other side of the room and he used to think that they were alive or something. And because he used to get so angry. And he said to Gordon Ramsay, this is where he, I think he developed his angry temper from. Like he said to him, the best thing that ever happened to, to him was the shit running down his mother's leg.
1: What? That's amazing. What an insult.
0: And it is a thing, isn't it, that French? One thing I had when I went to France and did the Gaullier course is that every restaurant always gives you free. There's a lot of free bread in England. You have to pay for it. Yeah. And like, what's the thing about French and English food? I mean, how does the best French food compare to a full English breakfast?
1: I <laughs> oh, mean, there's no, there's no comparison. French food is so much better uh, than English food. We don't. We don't care about food we don't have a food culture in the uk we have for us food is just like it's just energy It's just we have to eat it we have to eat so we have we eat do you know what i mean whereas here it's like it's part of life it's like you sit down you have food and you enjoy it it's not like ah oh, I, I i've got 25 minutes i can't be like i don't have time to eat because i'm too busy at my computer. Let me just get a pret manger and have a sandwich and eat at my desk or whatever. Like, that's just, uh, it, it's not, it's its very much part of the culture. And and so, because we don't really ha- tr- treat food as, I don't know, I don't even know what the word is. It means that our food is just not as good. Like, it's, it's, it's very stodgy. It's very, um, very fulfilling because it's also cold in the UK most of the year. Like, so you need food that's going to keep you warm. That's going to like, you know, it's going to, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Fulfilling isn't the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Like food that's, um,
0: yeah,
1: that's a bit heavier. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got heavy food in France, but yeah, it depends. It also depends where like there's so many regional dishes. This is the thing. Like there's, we don't really have, we do have English food, but we don't have it. Not. it's not like the French have, do you know what I mean? Like here you go, well, what's French food? It's like, well, sauerkraut is French food from the East. Uh, crepes are from Bretagne. So that's like their local delicacy. You've got um, mussels and chips is a delicacy up in the north. And in the south, you've got uh, like the innards of different animals uh, in sausage form. And, and, and like in the south, they eat a, a bunch of different <laughs> stuff. Fo- foie gras is a French delicacy, you know, steak and chip. Like they've got so many different dishes in France. Whereas in the UK, it's like, we've got roasts. We've got the English breakfast. And then we've just basically got meat with vegetable di- types of dishes, you know, um, shepherd's pie, I guess, pie and mash. But it's all kind of the same <laughs> shit. It's just meat. It's just meat, in, and I mean, th- I mean, the, the 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 classic example is the cornish pasty. It's just like the meal is inside a thing that you can just hold and eat all of what you need. We that's I guess there's a reason why we say meat and two veg in in England because that's technically what you need to eat you know uh to keep you healthy and to keep you like it's more it's more uh, yeah it's I I I guess the best way of describing it is like we don't really care that much about food it's just yeah it's (laughs) bish bosh yeah (laughs) and uh yeah I mean I spend my life defending English food because I actually do enjoy a lot of dishes I enjoy like Sunday roast I think there's a lot in there fish and chips is great um but there's not um it's just difficult to 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 defend when you've got uh, the, the, I mean, French I mean, I think for me, my my favorite food in the world is Italian food, but then French is a close second. Um, You know, there's a reason why a lot of the best restaurants are in France.
0: They they like to put a lot of art to it. There's a lot Mm. of creativity and they really want to enjoy the food and following on from that,
1: what is better? Fog Legs, or a roast? <laughs> oh, roast! 100%. Frog's legs are disgusting. No one eats them, by the way. That's also a stereotype where every, everyone thinks French people eat f- frog's legs. No one's eating frog's legs. That you can't find them anywhere. You, I mean, I've had it. I think I've had them once. I've had them once here, and I've had them once in Spain. Um, and they're horrible. It's just it. It's it just they're like this. It's. I. I don't even. If you like the sauce, it's probably okay. It's like a. It's like um like a a garlicky type of pesto type of sauce that you that you have them in um but yeah there's nothing to them and they're really difficult to you know it's not like a chicken wing where it's it's, there's enough meat on there and you there's enough bone to kind of eat around the the bone that they're so small that they're just really fidgety and annoying um and no one really eats them i've never met anyone who eats frog's legs snails on the other hand they fucking love snails and are they good no i don't like them either i've not even i don't even I don't, it's just the texture it just i don't understand again they the the it's the same kind of sauce that you have on on uh, like a garlicky type of uh, parsley sauce uh on snails and i think this the the, the 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 sauce is probably quite nice but the i just the texture i can't deal with so yeah roast I, i'd much rather have a roast absolutely okay
0: of course <laughs> are there any good ones in front <laughs>
1: Uh no not well maybe I don't know I've not really had uh, English food there is a good fish and chip place in Paris um yeah. and I've, I I found that they uh, in one of the episodes of What the Fuck France which in which I made fun of French food um we uh, we filmed a, a fish and chip place that does really good fish and chips and I I saw them again recently at the British Embassy here the British Embassy had an event going on like a garden party. Um, and they were providing uh, the catering for it. So yeah, there's a good fish and chip place. I don't really think there's an English restaurant. That's the other thing. There's no, the, 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 no one goes to any other country and goes, ah, oh, do you know what I really fancy? I really fancy going to an English restaurant. Do you know what I mean? Whereas you can be in the US and you can be like, "Oh, I really fancy French food," or "I really fancy a Spanish restaurant, like a tapas bar," or a Chinese restaurant, or a Korean restaurant, or what? No one's, no one anywhere in the world, even in England, is saying, "You know what? I really fancy going to an English restaurant." <laughs> no. <laughs> uh.
0: So, one of the things that it's been great to have you on. And thanks for coming on. The sort of questions that I would like to ask, and now, sort of, what is your biggest lesson you've learned in life if you like traveling to France and what would you like to plug in a podcast uh,
1: what what lesson well wow, that's a good that's a good that's a good broad question that no one's ever asked me before what lessons have I learned um, I would say I don't know. It's difficult because in uh, different periods of my life, like I've got different things, but right now it's not really related to, uh, to traveling. It's more related to having kids. It's like, if you make sure, make sure you want kids before you have them (laughs) because they really fuck everything up. Um, uh, So if you're ready for them, I think it's probably the best thing that has ever happened to you as a lot of parents that I speak to say, so they're either bullshitting or they actually genuinely wanted kids uh but for us it's just been it's been really it's been a really tough couple of years especially with covid as well hasn't helped yeah. but yeah i think it, they're, they're not very compatible with comedy life um and because it means that one it means that if you're if you're the comedian and you have a kid whether you're a man or a woman you're out in the evening which means you you're you're burdening your other half with the work that it is Having a baby, and if it's your if it's your full-time job doing comedy, you, it's really you can you can still be a good parent, but you're probably gonna really fuck off your other half unless they're really super supportive. And my wife is really super supportive, but it's still really difficult um, to to do that. So yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just kids kids, kids are a kids are a are an interesting concept which um, I wasn't ready for. But my wife is five years older than me, so I was like, you know what. I, am not, I'm not, we we were together for 10 years. I wasn't gonna be like, no, I don't want kids. Fuck you. They, there's a waste of 10 years of relationships. You know what I mean? Like a waste. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a waste at all, but it would have been like, you know, so I was just like, yeah. And I didn't, again, it was a thing of like, I've got time. She doesn't. Um, and I don't want to, again, at 60 years old, I might then regret not having a kid and I still might, you know, but right now the first two years have been complete shit. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so i'm hoping it gets better at some point hmm. so that, that there you go that's a, that's a, that's something that i've learned not nothing to do with traveling um but if it is to do with traveling i'd say just do as much traveling as you can before um before you get stuck into like a full-time job or uh or decide to have kids because that's going to make traveling a whole bunch of uh, thing difficult difficult as well um so yeah
0: yeah, so basically be like uh, what evil can evil before you have kids or full time job, <laughs> and on top of that, so how do people sort of get in touch with you? Because I know that you're doing a Paul Taylor's happy hour live where you is that a YouTube live where you banter, with
1: people? yeah, yeah, so that's that, yeah, that started, um. That started last year when I, when the, when the pandemic hit, I was just like, oh, okay, let me start doing lives on YouTube. So I started doing lives on YouTube from my, from my living room every day for like three months. I think I did like 80, 80 episodes of that. Um, and then, uh, the summer holidays happened and then I came back in September and because the, the theaters were open, I was doing my show, I think three, three times a week. Um, and so I decided to just do the, 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 the happy hour live once a week after my show, uh and that's when I kind of moved into the studio space which is the upstairs of my producers uh, my stand-up producer this is her office and this is like the upstairs bit that she wasn't using so I kind of repainted the wall and made it look good bought some equipment um and since January I've been doing it uh every Monday at 8 p.m with a different guest every week uh in the studio uh and so yeah it's kind of like um it's it's basically like a it's, it's like this, it's like a podcast, but it's live, so the audience can participate as well. So the audience end up asking questions, and uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I've had uh, comedians on, I've had uh, musicians on, I've had sports people on, uh, some YouTubers have uh, uh, been on. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm going to keep doing it uh, up until the end of this month, and then I'll be back in September to December again um and because i've already spent quite a lot of money on equipment i was just like oh, i'll just keep doing it see see where it leads
0: there's not been any sort of tiktok troll stuff comments because i've seen some of it and people say absolutely crazy things have you had a lot of that uh,
1: Crazy that people are uh, tiktok troll comments on what on the on the oh lives. you mean on the lives no actually it's it's been pretty good at, at the very beginning uh there was an <laughs> issue where there was like um uh, a couple of like random usernames that had like pictures, you know, like just cleavage and just like uh, as their avatars and then just typing shit in the comments or copying people's comments to make it look like real comments. And then uh I, once I got rid of those, I've never really had that much spam, uh, which has been great. I mean, it's, just, it's not viewed by millions of people either. You know, it's like maybe 500 people that watch the thing live. Um So uh most of those people are are, are really cool. There's been a couple of, pricks on there as usual but i mean it's they're few and far between it's not like i have to go through all of the shit to get to the decent questions uh that people are asking so um yeah it's cool that's basically the thing that's that i'm doing now it's like that i'm doing i'm focused on my stand-up show and the other thing is the the happy hour live uh show
0: and how do people get in contact just follow paul com.
1: Uh, I wish I had paultaylor.com. Uh, that's already been taken by the other 15 million Paul Taylors in, on the planet. Um, uh, so the, uh, I mean, my website's paultaylorcomedy.com, but yeah, if you, if you, if you type in Paul Taylor to any social media, whatever social media you're on, uh, the, the, the show is on YouTube. Uh, the, 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 the channel is called Paul Taylor's happy hour life. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's when the, that's where they can, uh, they can, uh, they can see it
0: right well it's been a pleasure to have you on paul uh hey pleasure was all mine thanks so much take care everyone and i'll hear you all soon yeah.